holy name. Praise him like we have never done before. Worship the ancient of days. He reigns forever. Bless his holy name. Give him glory. Give him honor. Give him adoration. Praise the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Bless the ancient of days. Worship him. Worship him. Thank him for all he's done for you in the past. Thank him for what he's going to do tonight. Give him glory. Give him honor. Give him adoration. It's worthy. It's worthy to be to be magnified, to be glorified, to be lifted high. Bless his holy name. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we have worshipped. One of the songs just rendered, Say, Lord, do my own first. There's nothing wrong in asking God to do your own first. You must just remember that you should do that of your neighbor too. So you lift your voice to him now. And say, Father, if we are blessing three people here tonight, let me be the first one. Go ahead, cry to the Almighty God. Let me be the first one to receive a blessing from you tonight. Let me be the first one. Thank you, Father. Glory be to your holy name. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. You are the mighty God, the great I am. Hallelujah, hallelujah, you are the mighty God, the great I am, hallelujah, hallelujah, you are the mighty God, the great I am, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
the Lord of Lords. Alleluia. Bless your holy name. King of kings, Lord of lords, the I am that I am, the unchangeable changer. Thank you for January. Thank you for February. Thank you for March. Thank you for April. Thank you for May. Thank you for June. Thank you for July. Thank you for August. Thank you for September. Thank you for October. Oh, Father, thank you for November. Accept our worship in Jesus' name. You have brought us thus far. We know you will see us through. Accept our worship in Jesus' name. For all your children listening to us now, let this be our appointed time. In the way you alone can do it, let tonight be our night. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Uh, let somebody shout hallelujah. Uh, wave to two or three people and say, Tonight is my night. And then you may please be seated. Except those who are born those who are born in the month of November. Who are born in November, let me hear you shout hallelujah. <laughs> Father, I commit all the children born in November into your hands. November is the 11th month of the year. And 11 is 10 plus 1. Double grace plus. The month of abundant grace. In every area of the lives of these your children, bless them abundantly. Give them abundant joy. Abundant success. Abundant promotion, abundant anointing, and let them serve you abundantly. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Well, shout another hallelujah.
I want to rejoice with everyone here today because uh, when I was praying months ago, actually during the convention, for what would be the theme for the Congress and what will be the theme for November. And the Lord told me that November will be the appointed time and that December Congress will be the siege is over. I trembled with joy Because if November is the appointed time and December the siege is over, something is about to shift in the spiritual realm. So I was praying, Lord, just let your people be alive up to November because if they can make it to November <laughs> let somebody shout hallelujah congratulations so the congress is going to be from December the 6th to 10 and it's going to be following the exact pattern of last year. Uh, quite a lot of it will be virtual, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then on Friday in particular, Friday will be loaded. We'll have a regular oligo service. We'll have Holy Communion service, we will have anointing service, all of them loaded together on that last Friday. So I don't need to ask you to invite your friends to come. I know they will come. But invite your enemies also so that they can come and be born again and they will cease to be your enemies. Now those days that are to be virtual, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, is virtual only for those who are far away. For those of you who live on the camp and the nearby villages and towns, you are welcome. Because from Monday, I will be here. This year's Congress is going to be a Congress like we have never, never seen before. Now, uh, don't let me tell you too much. It's only about 30 days or so away, and you will soon be 
swimming in the glory of God. Very quickly, let me go to Habakkuk chapter 2. I will read from verse 1 to 3. Habakkuk chapter 2 from verse 1 to 3. And I want to thank God for the young man who brought the first message. That was beautiful. Uh, I, I, I pray that the Almighty God will keep on increasing his anointing. And I don't know if you have noticed, in the past few months, the choir seemed to have gotten better every month. If you agree with me, shout hallelujah. Thank you, choir. Thank you, band. Thank you, all musicians. Habakkuk chapter 2. From verse 1 to 3. I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision. And make it plain upon tables, that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end he shall speak and not lie. Though he tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. All the promises of God for you will come to pass tonight. Um, when, when I got born again, as a baby Christian, <clears throat> I had many questions. And as a musician, a mathematician and I'm talking of almost 50 years ago now 48 years to be exact my brain was see very very active then I had many questions some questions that if I asked my pastors they probably would have thrown me out of the church you know questions like is it true that God knows the end from the beginning? And the answer is, of course, yes. Okay. If that is the truth, did he know that Adam and Eve will eat the forbidden fruit? I mean, because if he knows the end from the beginning then definitely you should know that Adam and Eve will eat the forbidden fruit. If he knew that they were going to eat the forbidden fruit, why did he plant it? 
if he planted it and they ate it and he knew they were going to eat it, why did he get angry? For they doing what he knew they would do. You can see that those are dangerous questions. Uh, I just gave you a very small one. <laughs> I had many of them. But since I know that if I go to my pastors to ask those questions, they will chase me out. They will say, Allah, we had come. I turned to God himself. Daddy, you know I'm not being naughty. I'm not issuing you queries. I just want to know could you please answer me certain questions? I mean, Adam was hiding behind a tree. You came down from heaven. Surely, <laughs> you saw what was hiding behind a tree from heaven. You knew what had happened. And then you came and said, Adam, where art thou? Ah. You want to tell me you didn't know where I was hiding? Tell me, Daddy, I, I just want to know. Is there anybody here tonight who wants to know God a little more? Finally, I got an answer from him. And I'll just tell you a little bit about what I got from him tonight. It was from him that I learned that of all those people who had been around, the one who got closest to the truth is a man called Shakespeare. Shakespeare was an English poet and he wrote that all the world is a stage and every one of us are actors and actresses. So pay attention tonight because give me a little bit of time. I have prayed that uh, God will help me, so I won't go too deep as to confuse you. But there was a play written by the Almighty God Himself, and that play was written down in a book Hebrews chapter 10 from verse 5 to 9 Hebrews 10 5 to 9 
God wrote a play. Wrote it down in a book. And that's why Acts 15 verse 18, Acts of the Apostles chapter 15 verse 18 says, Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the earth. Before you were born, God wrote a play. And you and I are to be actors and actresses in the play. Not only did he write the play, he's also the producer, the director of the play. Psalm 33. Verse 11. Psalm 33, verse 11. He says clearly, His counsel shall stand forever. The thoughts of His heart shall be there to all generations. What He wrote in that play is what we are acting out. So, an actor or an actress can get on the stage and do what he likes. Try as much as possible to change the way the author of the play wrote it. (laughs) At the end of the day, what the author wrote is what shall come to pass. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21. Proverbs 19, verse 21. says us, There are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. That's good news. It means it doesn't matter what the enemy may try. The plan of God for your life, nothing can change it. Isaiah chapter 46 verse 10, Isaiah 46 verse 10 says, God declares the end from the beginning. From ancient days, ancient times, it declares things that are yet to be done. Saying, my counsel will stand. And I will do all my pleasures. So when you see certain things happening that doesn't seem to make sense to you, It is simply part of the play. A very quick example. 
God showed a boy called Joseph. He gave him a glimpse of the play in two dreams. Boy, all your brothers are going to bow down to you. Oh, even your dad and your brothers, they are going to bow down to you. Being a young boy, instead of keeping his mouth shut, he announced it. The brothers got angry. They sold him to slavery. They taught whoever wrote that in your future has made a mistake. We will cancel it. <laughs> but God sat down in heaven laughing. They thought they were destroying Joseph. They didn't know they were helping him towards the goal. I have great confidence that all of you who are listening to me now as the Lord leaves you are going to end well however because he's the writer of the play if he likes he can change some things in the play Many a times when you see a film show and you see one sequence following another, if you know how many parts of that film they had cut off before they give you the final picture, you'll be amazed. The writer of the play can change. Actors change. Actresses change. Scenes change. Sequence. For example, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30. He said to Eli, I said indeed that you and your father's house will stand before me forever. He said, now I say, I change my mind. You know the proverb, it is the wise man who wrote, who, who manufactured pencil. They also manufacture eraser. Anything that you will do that will cause God to change his good purpose for your life, you will never do it again. When you go through the Bible without understanding, you see more and more of the play showing. One is the one I mentioned earlier. God came down from heaven 
and say, Adam, where are you? As if he doesn't know. Uh, who told you you are naked? Have you eaten the fruit I said you should eat? He knew. It was part of the play. But another one that we would like very much, Genesis chapter 32, from verse 24 to 29. Genesis 32, 24 to 29. The Bible says, Jacob was left alone. And they, they arrested a man with him, not an, not an ordinary man, an angel, till the break of the day. And when the angel found that he could not defeat him, an angel couldn't defeat a man. So you, <laughs> you know that's a joke. He pressed his leg, dislocated the leg. And Jacob kept on wrestling. Let me go. The day is breaking. And Jacob said, I won't let you go. Ah. <laughs> An angel, a single angel, according to the Bible, killed 180,000 soldiers in a night. That's how powerful an angel is. Now he's wrestling with one man And the man said And he said let me go Let me go The man said I won't let you go <laughs> See when God wants to bless you Like my son said He does certain things That will That you will say does not make sense that's why I'm rejoicing with someone here tonight. Because at long last, your moment has come. Now when there is a play, Everybody, every actor has his own time When he will come in When he will do what he needs to do And when he will get off the stage That's the way it is arranged And uh, The one who will act any part has been chosen by the author of the play in Jeremiah chapter 1 from verse 4 to 5 Jeremiah 1 4 to 5 God said to Jeremiah before I form thee in the belly I knew thee you didn't just come by accident and I, pre I prepared you for a particular part of my play. If you just think a little and go over a little bit of your life in the past and see how one thing led to another, one thing led to another, 
and here you are now listening to me tonight you will know God is great let me tell you one thing the mere fact that you are still alive till today means God has not finished with you yet Before you were born, he has already pointed out the section of the play where you will come in and what you will do. Now, the time you come in is determined by him. The time you begin to manifest, the time you begin to act your part is determined by him. For example, Galatians chapter 1 from verse 13 to 16. Galatians 1, 13 to 16. Paul said, God has separated me unto himself from my mother's womb. And when the time came for God to reveal his son in me, then I began to play my part. As the brother who spoke before me said, there is a time for everything. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 from verse 1 to 8. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 to 8. There are seasons for everything, time for every purpose. Now, when you get on the stage, you come, you play your part. When you finish, you go. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 4. Ecclesiastes 1 verse 4. One generation passes, another comes, but the stage remains. One generation comes, another generation goes, the earth remains forever. Why? Because as you finish and you go, the next set of people will come and play their own part. For example, John the Baptist, Luke chapter 1. You can read the story from verse 5 to 37. Luke 1, 5 to 37. God decided in the play. Jesus Christ is going to come to the earth. And when it's to come, somebody will come and prepare the way before him and that fellow will be only six months older than Jesus Christ that's why Zechariah and Elizabeth even though they were holy they had no child the wife couldn't get pregnant until six months 
before Jesus Christ came. That's why I have a feeling. I have a very, very deep feeling that this month in particular, many barren women will conceive. Why? Because appointed time came. And I enjoyed the, a lot of beautiful testimonies we had yes, this evening. <laughs> I like the testimony of the one where, where the woman had been barren for 17 years and then the time for delivery came. <laughs> and one doctor said, are you sure this is not fibroid? Because I can't see anything there. And the guy said, and there is something there. And before the doctor could get out of the door, something came out, and it's not a fibroid. There is somebody here tonight. Your appointed time has come. But to finish, you go. John the Baptist was born according to appointed time. What was his job? John chapter 1, from verse 29 to 36. John 1, 29 to 36. His job is to declare the Lamb. Advertise him. Announce him to the people. Behold the Lamb of God. That take that away the sin of the world. That was his assignment. As soon as he finished the assignment, if you go to Mark chapter 6, from verse 17 to 32, Mark 6, 17 to 32, eh, they took him off the stage. Even though the method of his going was by beheading him, but he has finished his assignment. And because he finished his assignment very well, Jesus Christ had already given him a testimonial of all men born of a woman. No one had arisen greater than John the Baptist. Why? Because he was given that special assignment to announce the coming of the Lord. Now, that brings us to God's timing. This thing we now call appointed time. The timing of God, like everything else about Him, is always perfect. Always perfect. Because He is a perfect God. Second Samuel chapter 22 verse 31. Second Samuel 22 verse 31 made it clear. As for God, his ways are perfect. And so if you read Acts of the Apostle chapter 2 from verse 1 to 4, Acts 2 from verse 1 to 4, the Bible says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, God didn't act one minute too soon or one minute too late when the day of Pentecost was fully come. 
Those of us who came to the Holy Communion yesterday, we prayed a prayer. And I want to assure you, the prayer has been answered. As we were drinking the wine, we cried to God, let this be my day of Pentecost. For those of us us who were here then, uh, (laughs) something had already happened. You will be seeing the result very soon. Now that brings us to where we are going. All that I've said is just introduction. You have your own appointed time. Job chapter 7 verse 1. Job 7 verse 1 says, Is there not an appointed time to man on earth? Every man has his own appointed time. But the point we want to focus on for next few minutes and I will be as brief as possible because this will be a night of some serious prayer is how do I know that my appointed time has come the young man who spoke before me did a wonderful job and I thank God for his life so I just want to add a little bit to the foundation he had already laid and we will take that little bit from Genesis chapter 18 from verse 1 to 14 Genesis 18 from verse 1 to 14 it's a story you know but we'll pick it verse by verse as we go along. Oh, thank you, Father. Now, this is good news. Because God says there's someone here tonight, he said the greatest terror in your town will soon become born again. In Genesis 18, or maybe before you come to Genesis 18, you can go back to Genesis chapter 12, from verse 1 to 3. All of a sudden, out of the blues, Genesis 12, 1 to 3, we just heard, and God said to Abraham, Get out of your country. Get out from your kindred. Get out from your father's house. Onto a land I will show you. And then he began to make him promises. Why Abraham? What has he done before then? There's nothing written about him to say, and Abraham loved God. And Abraham served God. No, 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 no. God just said, hey, you. It's your turn to play a part. 
And he said, oh, through your seed shall the nations of the earth be blessed. Okay. And the man that he said is going to become a blessing to the whole world was barren. For 25 years after God promised, nothing happened. Oh, there were some <laughs> funny, funny things. The wife came to him and said, eh, We know God promised, but he uh, doesn't seem to be doing what he says he will do. Uh, let us help him. You know the rest of the story. But one day came. Abraham was sitting down in front of his tent. And the appointed time came. Someone said yesterday, I think it was a brother who was asked to pray uh, before the Holy Communion. They asked him to come and pray. He got there, he began to preach. I said, ah, wait till tomorrow now. Today they said, just pray so that we can eat. When your day comes, you will get a divine visitor. Abraham was sitting in front of his house. And when that day comes, eh, location does not matter. It doesn't matter where you are. Uh, that of Abraham came in front of his house or tent. That of uh, Moses came at the backside of a desert in Exodus chapter 3. That of uh, Peter, the apostle, came in the upper room in Acts chapter 2. That of uh, Saul of Tarsus came on the road. He was traveling to go and do havoc when his day came. Location does not matter. When your dick comes, all of a sudden, wherever you may be, you yourself will know you have a visitor. Now, uh, ah, thank you, Father. Mm. It's a big one. Something happened in 1963. Daddy wants me to tell you. That's what I'm telling you. So you will understand the prophecy. The late Namdi Azikwe was governor general of Nigeria. And he came to visit Ondo Town. At that time, I was a teacher at Ondo Boys High School, a small teacher. And so we all went to visit him, I mean, to receive him because the old town lined the route. The governor general was passing by. And there was one old teacher 
of Ondobos High School there. We, we were standing almost side by side. And Zeke was driving past in an open car. Somehow, his eyes strayed and he saw that teacher and he stopped. He stopped the motorcade, came down from the car and stood before this old man. I don't know exactly what they said one to the other. And the old man began to cry. What happened was, that old man was a teacher in his grammar school, I don't know which one, that Azik went to. And the teacher was responsible for the expulsion of Zik from school. So, the governor general came to the teacher who sent him out of school in the crowd. After whatever they said, he went back to his motorcade and drove on. Lord asked me to tell someone here today, very soon, your number one enemy will come. And you will say to him, see what the Lord has done. The location doesn't matter when your time comes. It could be at home. It could be here and now. It could be on the road. But there's something special about the visitation that Abraham got that I need to explain to you. He lifted up his eyes. He saw three men. Three men. Who are the three? If you read the story very well, there's no doubt about it that one of them was God Himself. Because if you read it very carefully, you will find that it was only one who was speaking. But you can check that for yourself. Meaning what? Your divine visitor could be God himself. In Second Chronicles chapter 1 from verse 6 to 12, 2 Chronicles 1 verse 6 to 12, it was God himself that came to Solomon. Now you may say, well, if we are talking about God himself, uh, how can I expect God himself to come and pay me a visit? Uh, hey, if you read John chapter 1 verse 1, John chapter 1 verse 1, it says, in the beginning was the word, 
and the word was with God, and the word was God. Your divine visitor can be just the word. In First Kings chapter seventeen, verse two, First Kings seventeen, verse two, the Bible says the word of God came to Elijah. In First Kings chapter eighteen, verse one, First Kings chapter eighteen, verse one, the word of God came to Elijah and told him, "Son, no more hiding." The word of God is coming to somebody tonight. And he's saying, your time has come. So there were three of them, three visitors. One definitely was God. The second way you can have a divine visitor is an angel. In Judges chapter 13 from verse 1 to the end, Judges 13 from verse 1 to the end, when God wanted to tell Manoah that they were going to give birth to Samson, he sent an angel. In Luke chapter 1 from verse 8 to 20, Luke chapter 1 from verse 8 to 20, when God wanted to tell Zechariah that the one who is going to go before the Lord Jesus Christ is about to be born, he sent an angel. Now, again, you will say, I don't even know an angel if I see one. How do I know if an angel will come to me? Oh, occasionally the angel that God will send to you could be a human being. For example, in Second Kings chapter 5, from verse 1 to 14, Second Kings 5, from verse 1 to 14, Naaman was a leper. The angel that God sent to him when his time came was a housemaid. That was the angel. It was the girl who said, I know where my master can get his healing. Maybe the one who brought you here tonight is the angel that God has sent to you and you don't know it. I can tell you stories upon stories of human beings that were used as an angel to bring somebody to the fullness of their purpose. Whoever the angel that God wants to sell to you, may he do so tonight. Or it could be a prophet. Because there are three of them. It could be God himself. It could be an angel. It could be a prophet. One of his servants. In 1 Samuel chapter 1 from verse 9 to 20, 1 Samuel chapter 1, 9 to 20, it was Hannah in Shiloh praying like nobody's business and all of a sudden God told 
his prophet. Look at that woman praying as if she was drunk. Talk to her. And when she has said whatever she wanted to say, issue a decree. When your time comes, God is most likely going to send a prophet. In 1 Samuel chapter 16 from verse 11 to 13, 1 Samuel 16 from 11 to 13, when the time of David came, a prophet came visiting. In 1 Kings chapter 19 from verse 15 to 21, 1 Kings 19, 15 to 21, when the time came for Elisha to begin to fulfill his purpose to stop being a farmer and become one of the greatest prophets God sent a prophet I have always said that I am not a prophet I am a pastor but I hear from God occasionally and it is God who told me that the theme for this month is the appointed time. So I prophesy to someone that this very moment, your appointed time has come. I told you before the story of my, my father in the Lord. We went to Tulsa to attend Kenneth Higgin camp meeting. We finished on Friday or Saturday. Then we went to a church on Sunday. Nobody knew us there. It was our first visit. And because we were all black and all visitors clearly, they sat us in front. And the preacher was preaching, you know, the way the Americans preacher do their thing, walking up and down. All of a sudden, he came down from the altar and stood before my father in the Lord. My father in the Lord, who didn't speak English, I was interpreting for him. And said, Thus hear the Lord. That which I promise you is about to come to pass. And then he turned back, went back to the altar, and began to preach. Papa said to me, what did he say? And since I didn't want to miss the sermon, I said, I will tell you, sir, when we get to. We got to, Papa said, what did he say? I said, what is it that God told you long ago? God said that it's about to begin to pass, to come to pass. And Papa began to cry. That was 1979. God had told him something in 1952 that was good, that the old man had thought that can never happen. He had told him, I'm starting the church through you. That church will go around the whole world. 1979, <laughs> the church was still in Yoruba land. 
The old man was already getting ready to go to heaven. He thought God had forgotten all his promises. Papa died not too long after that one. But look at what God has already done. When the appointed time comes, it's likely to send a prophet. And I believe he's sending a prophet to somebody here tonight. The second thing that you will that you show you that ah, I think my appointed time has come is what we find in this same story, Genesis 18, from verse 2 to 5. Genesis 18, 2 to 5. All of a sudden, Abraham looked up, saw this man, and ran to meet them. I said, ah, come to my house. Come and rest a little bit. Uh, let me get water so you can wash your feet. Let me give you some food so you can eat. An urge to be generous. An urge to be hospitable. Suddenly, we begin to grow within you. A desire to serve God. A desire to be a blessing to God's people. It, that urge will come and you will look at yourself and say, Is that me? Hebrews chapter 13 verse 2. Hebrews 13 verse 2 says, Hey, don't stop in entertaining strangers. You might be entertaining an angel unawares. In Second Kings chapter four, from verse eight to ten, Second Kings chapter four, from verse eight to ten, in the case of the Shunammite woman, she just saw the man of God passing by, and she said, hey, "Man of God, come and eat in my house." The man of God said. Who told you I'm hungry? The Bible says she insisted, practically forced the man of God to come and eat. The man of God went, ate, and kept coming back. And she felt, why don't I build him an apartment? It wasn't long after that that the man of God said, Woman, Nine months from now, you'll be carrying a baby boy. An urge to be generous like you have never been before will suddenly come upon you because your time has come. And then you discover because I, I, I don't want to take all your time you will discover something if we go all the way to Genesis 18 verse 10 that God will replace prophecies with a decree. Oh, there have been many prophecies to Abraham. You will be the father of many nations. Uh, look up into the sky. Your children will be like stars. Uh, 
you will be the father of many nations, etc., etc. But on this particular occasion, God didn't say one of these days. He simply said in the layman's language, your wife Sarah will become pregnant tonight. That's what he said. Some of you may not have paid attention to what I said a little earlier. This is November, eh? Nine months from November. What would that one be? September? We shall see what we shall see. You see, because prophecies can be conditional. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 19. If you are willing and you are obedient, you will eat the good of the land. Conditions. Isaiah chapter 3 verse 10. Isaiah chapter 3 verse 10. Say ye to the righteous, it shall be well with them. It means if it's not righteous, it won't happen. But when it comes to a decree, God does not put conditions. Let there be light. And there was light. Period. A prophecy can be dependent upon time. Like in Joel chapter 2 from verse 28 to 31. Joel 2 from verse 28 to 31. It shall come to pass afterwards that the following will happen. Prophecy. But when it comes to decree, it is now. In Mark chapter 10, verse 46 to 52, Mark 10, 46 to 52, that uh, one of my boys mentioned earlier on, when God said to Bartimaeus, Receive your sight. It happened immediately. And for someone whose time has come, I decree in the name of the one who called me, your problems are over. Decree doesn't wait. You had the testimony of that fellow, I think, from Canada. She heard the word that God was going to do about a thousand healing. He said, hey, that's mine. And she became healed instantly. I have some very interesting testimonies here tonight. Maybe you don't pay attention. There's that, there's that lady who had failed driving tests for 17 years. You know, there are still some nations in the world where <laughs> you have to pass the test before you can get a license. That's the way it used to be in Nigeria when I was to get my driving license. 
you have to drive, you have to answer questions, you have to uh, reverse through uh, drums, etc., etc. And if you fail, you fail. She had failed for 17 years. Then the word came that somebody here, you will never fail another exam. And it was settled. Maybe I should repeat that for somebody here tonight. You will never fail again. When your time comes, prophecies are replaced by a decree. Ah, thank you, Daddy. Daddy asked me to tell someone. He said, when I sent Elijah to Elisha, Elijah waited for Elisha. He asked me to tell whoever that fellow is, he said, I will cause your helper to wait for you. Oh, thank you, Lord. <laughs> Write this one down. Because we are going to testify soon. God said, when there's someone listening to me now, it does not matter what the enemy may try, you will reach the top. Write it down. <laughs> I know. I expected it to be a beautiful night. Thank you, Lord. Daddy asked me to tell you another story. You know, when I've, I've told it before, some of you will remember. When I was doing my postgraduate studies at the University of Lagos, my supervisor, an Indian, uh, gave me an assignment and then traveled. By the time he returned, I've gone very far extremely far so he saw what I've done he said to me Enoch I said sir he said I know you're a Christian I said yes sir he said so you won't lie I said no sir I won't he said who helped you and I if I said Jesus he would laugh at me so I had to say, Professor Emmanuel. 
<laughs> oh yes, Professor Emmanuel is going to help some students there tonight. <laughs> When I said Professor Emmanuel, he looked at me and said, of which department? <laughs> That's where I got into trouble. Because Jesus Christ belongs to every department. But the Lord wants me to tell somebody, he said, you are going to climb higher and faster than your boss can ever expect. When your time comes, you have heard of the almightiness of God before. All of a sudden, of the almightiness of God before, all of a sudden, you experience him for yourself. It's a beautiful thing to hear testimonies. But believe me honestly, there's nothing like being the testifier yourself. Because when God told Adam, uh, Abraham, your, your wife is going to have a son, and Sarah laughed, God says, Sarah, you laughed. Is anything too hard for God? Later on, Sarah testified. He said, who would have thought that Sarah would give birth to a child? But God said, I am the Almighty. I have spoken. This time it's not just you hearing it. It's you experiencing it. I decree in the name that's above every other name, you'll be the next one to testify. When you experience God for yourself, when you experience the almightiness because when we talk about it we read about him there's nothing God cannot do we quote it we, we sing about it but there's nothing like you experiencing it yourself and when your time comes you will experience it Now, I'm not going to take too much more of your time. I believe God has, has already prepared you for what he wants to do. But you have a role to play. 
It's a part for you to play. Somebody unknown, an unknown author, said three things about life. And I want you to take note of them. Number one, he said life is a a game. He said life is a game. Play it. When I heard that, I said, "Mm-mm. you should have said life is a play. Play your part. Life is a play, a play written by God. Play your part. Then he said number two, he said life is a challenge. Meet it. He said, life is a challenge. Meet it. Well, I say, mm, I would rather say, yes, life is a challenge. You live up to expectation. Live up to expectations. And then number three, he said, life is an opportunity. Seize it. Life is an opportunity. Seize it. I say, I agree. Life is an opportunity. Grab it from the front of the head. Because my father told me when I was young, or when I was younger, he said opportunities like a man who has plenty of hair in front of his head, but the back of his head is bald. There's no hair at the back of his head. So he said, when you see opportunity coming, grab it in front. Because if it passes you and then you are trying to hold it, there's nothing to hold at the back of his head. It will disappear. What has this got to do with your role? Again, based on the study of Abraham. In Genesis chapter 18, verse 2, Genesis 18, verse 2, when Abraham saw these three men, the Bible said he ran towards them. Every opportunity you have, seize it. Seize it. There is a poem that I learned way back in 1957. It says, There is a tide in the affairs of man which taking 
and this well leads unto fortune. Neglected all the voyages of their lives will be in shallows and mysteries. Meaning what? God will give everybody one opportunity. You grab your opportunity, you will just be going higher and higher. If you let it go, God have mercy. Take the case of Batmeos. He heard that Jesus was passing by. And Jesus never came back that way again. As soon as he heard that Jesus was passing by, he grabbed the opportunity. Several years ago, I was visiting one country very far away from home. And there was this woman who had been barren, I can't remember how many years now. And the place we were using for the Holy Ghost service was on one rented uh, property. And so for me to have a place to stay and pray, and pray they have to take a motor home there. And I was in the motor home praying. And there were guards all around so that nobody would disturb me. When it was time for me to go and pray, this woman was looking away from us as pretending as if he didn't know what was going on. But as soon as I stepped out of the motorhome, while the guys were still trying to make sure that uh, the way is clear, she ran. Before anybody could stop her, she climbed into the motorhome, sat on where I sat, and then the people now began to bring her down and say, don't worry yourself, I already got what I wanted. She became pregnant that month. Tonight is your night. Seize this opportunity. When it is time to pray, pray like you have never prayed before because God will answer prayers tonight. Genesis chapter 18, verse 6 to 8. Genesis 18 from verse 6 to 8. The Bible said, not only did Abraham run to meet these people, he hastened to prepare them a very sumptuous meal. He hastened and he prepared a very good meal for them hurriedly. Your time has come. Seize the opportunity. And then make sure 
that whatever you do, you do it diligently. Proverbs 22, verse 29. Proverbs 22, verse 29 says, See thou a man diligent in his business. He will stand before kings and not before me, men. In the case of Bartimaeus, he didn't just cry. He kept on crying until God answered him. The woman with the issue of blood kept on pressing forward, pressing forward until he finally got to Jesus Christ. Whatever you do from now on, do it diligently with all your strength. And then the Bible says in Genesis chapter 18, verse 8, Genesis 18, verse 8, after he prepared the meal for them, he stood by them, watching them eating, ready to run errands for them. Learn to wait upon the Lord. Learn to wait upon the Lord. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, Isaiah 40, 31, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Learn to pray from now on. Your time has come. Before we come back in December now, you will have your testimony. But learn to pray diligently. In the story I told you earlier on Genesis 32, from verse 24 to 28, Genesis 32, 24 to 28, when the angel said to Jacob, let me go, he said, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. Learn to hold on to God until you get your blessing. And then, something very interesting here. When we look at all of us who are here, those of us in the main auditorium here, those of us in the old arena, and not to talk of all the people in every other place where they are watching, we are many. How can I be sure that I'm the one whose time has come? <laughs> there is a saying, if the mountain will not come to Mohammed, Mohammed will go to the mountain. You can force your time to come. You can tell the Almighty God, tonight is the night. Because we read a story in John chapter 2 from verse 1 to 12. John 2 from verse 1 to 12. In the wedding in Canaan of Galilee, when they lacked wine, the mother of Jesus came to Jesus Christ and told him, they lack wine. Jesus Christ said, my time has not yet come. 
<laughs> the mother must have smiled. I must have said to herself, Son, your time will come tonight. Because she told the people there, Don't listen to that story about the time, not yet. Anything he asks you to do, do it. And before the end of the day, my time has not yet come, became my time has come. If you refuse to take no for an answer, your time will come tonight. There is a prayer you pray that you yourself will know uh -uh, this one God had heard. He will hear you tonight. Now, conclusion. I want to go back to where we started. Remember I told you that the old thing is a play. God wrote the play and etc., uh, etc. Et you need to remember. Whether you play your part or you don't, whether you miss your opportunity or you don't, the play must continue. That is why the one who wrote the play has a substitute for every actor. If you are not playing your part very well, there is always somebody who can come round and do it. But I pray for every one of you listening to me, God will not replace you with someone else. No, that's why we keep on crying. Put your hands in the hands of the one who wrote the play. And he will guide you aright. That's the meaning of when you say you surrender your life to him. You are practically saying, I don't know the best way to play my part. Help me. That's the meaning of what Jesus Christ said when, without, when he said, without me you can do nothing. That's the meaning of what the Bible says when he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's why before we begin to pray tonight, ah, thank you, Father. Daddy says, tell my people there is the sound of abundance of rain. What else can I say? If you have not surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, come and do so now. Come and stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. 
giving you an opportunity to surrender your life to Jesus is so that he can help you go through life telling you when to stand up, when to sit down, when to turn right, when to turn left, so that you can arrive at the right goal. Come and surrender your life to him. He will wash away your sins. He will give you a new beginning and everything will become all right. Come and stand before the altar and we will pray for your salvation. And then the rest of us, we want to talk to God. You see, in your journey in life, many a times you have messed up and God wants to put you back in the play. He wants to put you back on track. You can only do so by giving your life to Jesus so everything can become brand new again. Cry to the Lord now. Tell him, I can't go through life without your help. Help me. Save my soul. Receive me into the family of God. And I will obey you from now on. Just receive me as I am. Forgive all my sins. And I too will begin to do your will. And the rest of all, shall we please stretch our hands towards these people and intercede for them. Pray that the one who saved our souls, who gave us a new beginning, will do the same thing for them. Please pray for them. Intercede for them. And those of you who are still on the way, keep coming. Just make sure you get there before I finish praying. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. My Father and my God, I want to bless your holy name for your goodness and for your mercy. Thank you for these people who have come forward to surrender their lives to you. Father, please receive them, save their souls, and let your blood wash away all their sins. Father, I'm praying that today you will write their names in the book of life, that from this moment onward, they will become members of the family of God. I pray also that from now on, any time they cry unto you, you will answer them by fire. Please, Almighty God, don't let them ever backslide. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. And I want to rejoice with those of you who have come forward, because from now on, by God's grace, I'll be praying for you. They will collect your names, your address, and your prayer requests. Let's begin to go now. God bless you. God bless you. Let's, let's give the Lord a big round of applause. Yeah. I may clap very well, Ada.
you, Father. Maybe you want to write down your prayer points now. Uh, I don't need to beg you to pray tonight. I'm sure you will pray yourself. Number one. Because when there is life, there is hope. I want you to praise God for preservation. Praise Him that He preserve you till today. Praise God for preservation. Number two, I want you to cry to Him and say, Father, Please fulfill your purpose in my life. Please fulfill your purpose in my life. Number three. Don't substitute anyone else for me. Don't substitute anyone else for me. Number four. Father, you control times and seasons. Let this be my appointed time. You control times and seasons. Let this be my appointed time. Number five. Father, you can change not yet. To now, please do so for me. You can change not yet. So now, please do so for me. Number six, Father, let the next sunrise. Be my new dawn. Let the next sunrise be my personal new dawn.
Number seven. Father, let this be the appointed time of breakthrough for me my family my nation and your church Father, let this be the appointed time of breakthrough for me, my family, my nation, and your church. Number eight is your own personal request. I'm going to give you at least 50 minutes to pray. It will have been more than that, but we still want to attend to some other business. So, the altar is open. You want to come and cry to God with all your heart. Start by thanking Him for preservation. Ask Him to fulfill His purpose for your life. Not to substitute anyone else for you. To let this be your own appointed time to change not yet to now to let the next sunrise be your personal new dawn and that this will be the appointed time for breakthroughs for you your family your nation and your church and then you can add your own.
Thank you, Father. Let us begin to bring our prayers to a close. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. The Almighty God will grant your request. Your time will be now. Everything you have been waiting for from God, you will get it now. All the promises of God concerning you shall be fulfilled tonight. Every prophecy shall become a decree now. You will not die before your time. Every opportunity you have lost shall be returned to you. Your breakthrough begins now. Your appointed time becomes now. In the name that's above every other name, in your life, no more delays. I say no more delays. For your joy, for your success, for your promotion, for your fruitfulness, no more delays. Your day has come. And so shall it be. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. Well, let me hear you shout a big hallelujah. God bless you. Let's go back to our seats. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Well, we're going to do two things together. One, we want to thank the Almighty God because our time has come. And two, our students from Redeemers University who are graduating now, 
they are going to be anointed. Uh, Redeemer University is the only university where every graduate goes home with anointing. Because we are the only university named after the Redeemer himself. And so, those who are graduating this year and those who graduated last year because coronavirus didn't allow us to attend to them, they are going to be anointed at this moment. Um, now you take your own Thanksgiving offering, the rest of us, and we dance to the nearest basket to us. Uh, so while we are dancing, they will be getting their anointing. And part of the anointing will flow over to us. In Jesus' mighty name. Um, I'm waiting. I believe the ushers have got their baskets ready. I can't see baskets near, near the front here. God bless the ushers. They are wonderful people. Okay, over to you, band. You are the most I got, Jehovah. You are the most I got, Hallelujah. I God, hallelujah. You are the most I God, Jehovah. You are the most I God, hallelujah. Hey, in the Olua, Jehovah. Hey, in the Olua, hallelujah. Hey, in the Olua, Jehovah. Hey, in the Olua, hallelujah. Hey, in the Olua, Jehovah. Hey, in the Olua, hallelujah. Hey, in the Olua, Jehovah. Hey, in the Olua, hallelujah. You are the most high God, Jehovah. You are the most high God, hallelujah. You are the most high God, Jehovah. You are the most high God, hallelujah. You are the most high God, Jehovah. You are the most high God. Hallelujah. You are the most high God, Jehovah. You are the most high God. Oh, 
Daddy asked me to tell his people Your heaven is opened at last Well stand on your feet if you are not already standing Thank you daddy My Father, my God, I bless your name. Thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for setting us apart for yourself. Thank you for this unmerited favor that you just kept on making available to us. 
Father, accept our thanks in Jesus' name. Father, please accept the offerings of your children. Sanctify it. Use it for your glory. Father, I pray the beginning from now, breakthroughs that nobody can explain. We begin to come the way of your children. Daddy, in your own miraculous way, those who came today by bus, by this time next year, let them come in their own cars. All those who are listening to us now, who have part, who have been partakers of this particular service, my Father and my God, don't let them ever know failure again. Let it be well with them. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. If you are really sure your time has come, shout a really big hallelujah. God bless you. So shall it be. Praise the Lord. I believe this message has really blessed your life. And if you have just given your life or rededicated your life to Jesus Christ, Please send an SMS or a WhatsApp message titled Saved to any of these phone numbers. Plus 234-706-497-9797 or plus 234-810-383-0237 or plus 234-803-722-1550 or Plus 234-805-504-1394. Also, you can send an email to altercall at rccg.org. Thank you, and God bless you.